You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you once again for another episode of Third Watch. It's a it's another special day today because we get two for the price of one on release day with these ones as we get into our third and final double header of Third Watch of Season 4 and hallelujah, it's not snowblind anymore, we've moved past it, we've gone into post-snowblind territory of Third Watch, does it mean it gets better? Maybe, you'll have to wait and see what we think about at the end of this episode um, we are here to talk about of course Season 14 4, Episode 14, Collateral Damage Part 1 uh, wish there were 14 seasons of Third Watch. Well, we'd still be going, <laughs> wouldn't we, pretty much nearly. Uh, we, uh, of course, this aired on the 3rd of February, 2003. It was written by one of our showrunners, Ed Allen Bonero, and it was directed by one of our regular directors, Brooke Kennedy. Does that mean this episode's any good? We're about to find out. My name is Ben, and I still can't believe people do this to themselves. <laughs> My name's Darvell, and... Sorry, listeners, no quote this week. Or should I say no quote for this part this of the episode? This but, yeah, but I, I can't, I, even now, you know, uh, how many years, 15 years after this episode aired, I still can't believe that people shoot themselves up with the drugs either. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I guess my quote was probably more in reference to the fact that people are still listening to this show, but uh, that's, oh. if you want to take it that way too, Darvel, that's a good point. Like, don't shoot yourself up with drugs, don't listen to the Oz Network. Kind of go hand in hand, really. Not really. That's well, a bad <laughs> Move on, Ben. Um, no, not really. I mean, we, I mean we, we would rather you listen to the Oz Network than shoot yourself up with meth or heroin or whatever. <laughs> Probably a good thing to say there, uh, Darvell. <laughs> that could be our new slogan. The Oz Network, better than shooting meth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Oz Network, better than shooting meth. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Oh, no wonder don't, nobody listens to this. But, uh, look, it's, we've had a lot of doubleheaders this season, a lot of two-parters. Um, and we, we, we talked about a lot about this throughout the season, about how many there are. We obviously had, uh, some fantastic ones earlier in the season with Judgment Day, part one and part two. We kind of got to Crime and Punishment part one and part two. I'm like, yeah, these are still pretty good, not too bad. Uh, and now here we are for Collateral Damage part one and part two. Uh, I'll just say it right now at the top of this. Um, the least best ones of the double headers <laughs> right but <laughs> not the still pretty good but they're, I mean, still they're pretty good but got their moments the, but not the best there, there's, yes. look i will say there's one particular part of these two parts which i love absolutely love and the rest is kind of meh and i think at the end of the day we talked a lot about in crime and punishment um that that was really our first taste of cruise what she's capable of what she's willing to do and i think we both plotted that and said it was done well and we're still on board with cruise now we're still going to defend cruise we're the cruise defenders we're making everybody out there try and like this woman who of course she was so hated during this part of the show when it was airing but i <laughs> There's certain stuff in these episodes which just really are muddled. They don't work. There's just stuff all over the place which really kind of makes no sense as to why they're there. Over the top. Yeah, and, like, the crew stuff isn't necessarily the bad stuff because I think they they sort of go out of their way to humanise crews to a point and then also mix that with sort of a hard nature. So it's interesting. I can see why people don't like her necessarily with this. I will probably defend a lot of the crew stuff, and it's not necessarily the crew stuff that is 
the bad stuff in these episodes, uh, although there's maybe one part of Cruz's stuff which gets under my skin a little bit. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm rabbiting on a little bit. Any any sort of prior thoughts here before we dive straight in? Because we're not talking about Snowblind anymore, Darbell. It's a happy day. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do that right when you were right when you said it's not snowblind anymore at the top of the at the top of the recording. I wanted to do that, but I was like, nah, I'll wait, see if the opportunity comes up again. And it did. <laughs> it did. I think you're just trying um, to date yeah, this by using Yahoo references from nineteen ninety-nine when this show, show first started. Well, probably, but it's still fun to sing. Yeah, oh absolutely. <laughs> it's still it is still fun to sing. I couldn't agree. Hey, come more. on, let's be honest. Even you were probably trying to sing that back when it was done. I've been trying to sing since the day I was born, Darvell, and still I'm a podcast host, not a Grammy award-winning singer. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> All right, well, let, let's jump right into it. Well, I mean, any episode, of course, that follows a crap episode called Snowblind generally has to do a previously on. Um, sadly, we're uh, subject to about a minute's worth of uh, crap from the last episode that we've got to remember ourselves with. So let's move straight past that and smoke some meth. Because I think generally one thing I will say about the beginning of this episode that works is that you need to take some drugs to forget about the crap that was last week. So that at least gives us a good sense of where we are right now with Third Watch. Take some drugs, forget about it, move on. There we go. Um, but we do, it's a, it's a very weird opening montage because it's essentially just some close-up shots of pipes and smoke and meth being cooked and interchanged with some fading shots of people in ski masks and pouring drugs and just random stuff. We've got P.O.D.'s Youth of the Nation playing in the background. Good song. Um, but it's just... Uh, I oh, don't know. yeah. I, I listened I listened to that, to that song when... Um after after I watched the episode the first time I listened to that song, pretty good song. Yeah. You're right. Very, very good song. And I mean and in some ways, sadly not dated at all at all. No, exactly. Completely the song I mean. Yeah, completely agree. It's just it's just the way that they sort of mix it with, you know, shots of American bills sn- sniffing up drugs and just kind of it's just it's the very cliche type of uh you know imagery of drugs really and it's sort of yeah off the back of little old princess Emily popping an ecky or whatever it was or sniffing whatever the horse tranquilizer I can't, I've, I've just Special forgotten about K. last week Special K I don't care about Special last K. week we're in a better time now third watch snow blinds behind yeah, us well <laughs> Well, that probably would that probably would have been a more appropriate montage of her doing that and her and shots of her in the hospital in a coma. Well, that would have fit that song better, I think. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't even know why they need to open with this montage. Like, it's kind of. I know we talked a little bit about Nip Tuck about sort of drug you know, people with a drug problem is a go-to issue in a TV show. It's kind of, you know, like a cliche one. And, you know, I've talked about this before with certain other cliches that annoy me. Drug problems aren't necessarily one that are not, because I think it's an interesting topic that can be explored. (coughs) But I just think that this opening montage is just cheesy. And then kind of to mix it in with Emily still laying in this coma and sort of, you know, basically... They've got to wait. They're, all they can do is wait. There's nothing else that they can do that they've just simply got to wait for her. Um, then Yoko's obviously getting a bit angry about, you know, Eric, you know, and what about the boy who did this to her? So it's it's kind of just the way we start into this. It's like you can't forget that Snowblind happened, sadly, as much as we want to. We're still here with Emily, you know, 
taking one bit of drugs and in a coma. Um, and the thing that's, oh, I, I don't know, like I, I'm annoyed already. Yeah. <laughs> we were focusing too much on Snowblind from a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing also that kind of really takes me out of this episode and I'll talk a little bit about more in the next episode too, but it kind of works, but if in context it makes no sense, is that a lot of what this episode is, is Yokus essentially at the bedside of Emily and then having these weird flashbacks to the time when she got drunk once as a girl and her mother is basically hosing her down. Now, I get what they're trying to do. They're obviously trying to put here that Yokus wasn't innocent as a child, that even she did things, but... I think at the end of the day, you're basically connecting that because young, I don't know, 14, 15-year-old Yokus got drunk, that it's the same as her 14-year-old daughter popping some drugs and ending up in a coma. And it just feels weird that this is a comparison they're trying to make. And I think the flashbacks in this episode are just so misjointed. They don't make any sense with what, you know, they're trying to do something. To me, it just doesn't make sense. And then they kind of tie in this whole storyline of Yokus event- essentially going off at her mother for sticking with an a- abusive alcoholic husband. Haven't we already covered this in seasons one and two with Fred's drinking problem and tying everything into it? I don't know why we're revisiting all this. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, we did cover this in, se- in season one with Fred's drinking and then season two... Uh, what was that episode? I think... Um, Episode eight of season two, I think, Know Thyself, mm-hmm. that where um, where uh, Faith's parents came to spend Thanksgiving with them or something, mm-hmm. something like that. Or wait, no, what, or was that? Wasn't that? Um, was that, uh, was it? I'm pretty or, sure it might have been Know Thyself. Or was that? Oh, or it was either Know Thyself or a History of the World from season one. No, it was, it was season two. Episode. They they didn't make an appearance in season two. It was Know Thyself. Yeah, and. I think a lot of that, though, is that faith is, and it's it's an all too human thing. Faith is looking for someone to blame. Yeah, it's the story of life, isn't it? When something like this happens, it's you've always got to lay the blame. And I completely get it. It's just I think it's done poorly. And, look, I'm not going to complain for the return of Mia Farrow. We've talked about how great Mia Farrow is previously. That's who plays Faith's mom? That, yeah, the, the, who, yeah, plays Faith's mom. And I think the issue okay. I have is, like, you mentioned in Know Thyself, like, that was a great episode. Like, it was great to kind of meet her parents and kind of see this. And we, we understand that Faith grew up in a home with an alcoholic father and she didn't want to deal with that with Fred. But my issue is it's we, we've closed that chapter off. It's kind of how we've talked about this season, how it seems to be this recurring issue that Faith is never there and that she's always letting her family down, something that we covered quite a lot in the earlier seasons. Which, which, let's, be, which let's, let's be real here, she really isn't. Well, yeah, and I, this is where I feel it's kind of like a bit on repeat because we've now got Bonnie Dennison, we've grown Emily up, we kind of have to see the effects that it's going to be on more of a teenager rather than just sort of a, you know, a preteen or or an older child. I get it, but it just, it feels so recycled and you and I know what eventually happens with Fred and Faith without putting spoilers out there and knowing what eventually comes of this pairing it just seems so wasted that we're recycling this, recycling this, recycling this, seeing how much, you know, strength these two have as a pair to ultimately is going to end up for nothing, sort of spoiler alert. 
and it's just to me the fact that we're recycling. I just I just have a big issue with these flat this flashback and the next episode. I like the flashbacks just because it gives us that meeting between Bosco and Yokus, but on the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make any sense as to why all of a sudden we're just having these constant flashbacks. So I'm going to be complaining a lot about this because yeah. I just think they just don't fit <laughs> with this episode. Yeah. Yep, I get that. And, well, well, we'll get to this later, but um, Faith's realisation that... you. Know, what annoyed me about her throughout this episode is, you know, she kept saying, Emily, do- Emily doesn't do drugs. Not, not my Emily. My, d- my daughter wouldn't do that. Uh, lady, you are sitting next to your daughter who is lying in a coma in a hospital bed as the result of doing drugs. Mm. And, and not to mention, and I'm glad that she finally realizes this at the end of this episode, or is it at the end of the next episode? But it's still sad that it took her this long to realize this, that, you know, all this talk of, I know my daughter, I know my daughter. Oh, wait, no. I don't know anything about her. Well, I think, see, there's some stuff which I think they're exploring, which is interesting, because I completely understand what you're saying, and I agree with everything you're saying. But I think, I mean, neither of us are parents, not that we know of, but I think no. that this well, is... Th- no, I'm not. <laughs> this is the thing that parents have to face when it comes to issues like this with their teenagers, because at any given point, teenagers are going to experiment. We all did when we were growing up. We I'm not saying we all took drugs. I'm just saying we all experimented. I mean, it could have been with anything. Well, you ex- Yeah, it doesn't have to be drugs. You could, you know, I don't know. You could, Teenagers do stupid things. It's just every teenager does yes. stupid things. No question about it. We do. And some will go well, as far do. as taking in drugs and us. end up in this situation. So I think kind of the fact that any parent in that situation would say the same things because you think you know your kids and we know that our parents saw one side of us as teenagers to what we were really doing it's human history everyone does that so i think that that's kind of Mm -hmm. where they're implying with that and i think that kind of works to a level it's just what like i don't understand why we get a flashback of her drunk her mother basically yelling at her like do you want to end up like your father only for us in the real world to have Yokus basically just going off at her mother and saying, like, you know, I was the one who did this, I was this, I survived, I was strong, I kicked my husband out, I did this, I did that. Okay, great, we get that, I'm not taking away from you doing that, Faith, but why is this compared to you drinking alcohol as a kid? I don't get it. Again, looking for someone or something to lay the blame at. Yeah. Or lay the blame on. I I mean, I'm lumping a lot of this together, and we could probably skip over a lot of this when we get to uh, sort of that side of things. I think this... Can I just say, though, as much as I'm not on board with this part of the story, it does back up my claim that Molly Price and Faith is the overall star of Third Watch, because even in an episode which realistically isn't about Yokus, you know, it's, it's about Cruz and it's about Bosco... We get Yokus with a, a very prominent storyline. I mean, can we just reiterate again that we're 14 episodes in? I think we've had about 14 seconds of Taylor this season. Remember she got hit by a car, folks? Can we just always clarify that? She got hit by a car! And she's, yep. she's still barely in this show. Um, so, yeah, backing my claim up, Yokus the star, Molly Price the star. But, um, yeah, I'm rambling already. How long are we into this episode? We've barely even covered anything. Um, <laughs> uh 
It's a regular occurrence. It is, it is. But I, I do kind of like the little back and forth there with Fred, the way Fred's sort of like, let's go to the chapel. And, and Yoko's is just what, like, well, it's a closet. It's a they closet, closet, Fred. Chapel. <laughs> um, one thing of note, though, on the credits, on the opening credits here, is the first appearance of Tia Tahada on the credits. Uh, welcome to the uh, official cast list, uh, Tia. Uh, although she's kind of a bit like Chris Bauer and Bonnie Dennison moving forward, where she kind of disappears and reappears from credits when she's not in episodes. Uh, I do think that changes moving forward into season five and six when she's, um, I mean, basically in every episode. A regular cast member? Yeah, well, I mean, I I would clarify her still as a regular cast member now that she's on the credits. I just think it's kind of... I, I, I guess the reason they probably do it is because they can't fit them all in the credits because there's at the moment there's a large group of people who are the main cast. Into season five, when we lose, what, three, four of our main cast in one season, uh, that obviously opens up the door for a little bit more of these people appearing permanently without being removed every single time they're not in an episode. So, uh, right. yeah, because Chris Bauer was also on these credits because uh, he's in this episode, whereas obviously every episode mm-hmm. Chris Bauer's not in, he's not in the episode credits. So just um, always like to look that, look that up, that uh, this is the first episode where Tia Tahada is on the opening credits. So there you go. Um, post-credits, though, we've got uh, Kim and Doc um, showing up. There's Kim. We're talking about Taylor never making appearances. Here's Kim's weekly appearance for the month. Um, she's... Yeah. <laughs> Has she still had a storyline this go. season? <laughs> Not yet. She doesn't have a storyline yet. She gets one. She definitely gets one towards the end. Uh, she's very much involved in the storyline at the end. Um, but we've got a, a drug OD, uh, who apparently is also, I guess, passed out in her own feces because, uh, they're Ugh. essentially talking about, uh, how bad it smells and everything. Then we've got, uh, Sully and Davis showing up and, uh, kind of normal Sully for once. It's been a, it's been a while, but here he is. Um, it's not going to last very long, but anyway, so they're finding the drugs finding everything there she's still alive and uh they're going to cut her off uh essentially to hospital uh but we don't know who this person is yet darville i wonder is this, is this no person, we don't is this person going to be connected to the storyline do you think i don't know maybe we'll see <laughs> maybe uh so we find out uh we're back in the hospital with emily Bosco and crew show up to yokus we find out that eric has been let go there's nothing to hold him on um, so, you know, there's that. What a shame. Shitty boy. What is, what does Cruz call him? Pretty boy Eric? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like Cruz. My, my thing though is, I mean, how was he, how was he let go? How was he let go so quickly when he was almost as, almost as critical as Emily? Well, I guess that's what they were talking about earlier, uh, with the doctor who I always forget his name. Why do I always forget his name? Um, but they're essentially, that's what they're basically, the question was asked. Like, why is he out of the hospital and yet here she is? And he's kind of saying like, oh, it's, it's kind of how it works sometimes, you know, body mass, things like that. It works differently. And, you know, Emily's sort of a, a very small, skinny young girl and her body's going to react differently, I guess, to drugs. And Eric, and obviously Eric probably does this a lot because he's a little douchebag shithead. So, um, he's probably, 
More I guess. tolerant of them. Yeah, Dr. Fields, by the way. Can I apologise to uh, Darian Seals Evans there? The, uh, who's, you know, he's, we've talked a lot about how he's kind of one of the most prominent uh, background people from a certain point, and he kind of sticks around for a while. So, uh, sorry, Dr. Fields, I'm, I'm sure yeah. I'll forget your name. Dr. Again, Fields. So. Dr. Fields. Dr. Dr. Fields. Fields. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you say that a hundred times, and maybe I'll never forget it. Um, yeah. So, as Bosco hey, and... for what it's worth, I forgot his name, too, so... Bosco and Cruz go to leave to go hunt more drugs, I guess, and Davis pulls Cruz aside. Is that the first time we've had Davis and Cruz interaction, maybe? Uh, I think and so. says that the girl who was brought in as a drug overdose is asking for Cruz. I wonder why. <gasps> uh, Cruz... Um, basically tells Davis this is going to go away. He's she's not going to be arrested. We see uh, this girl; she's getting a charcoal treatment to flush out the drugs. Cruz is questioning her, and long story short, this is Cruz's sister. Bum bum bum. Plot twist. Um, so this is who we find. Her name's Letty, if I'm not mistaken. Let- Letty. 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 Yes. Yep. And this kind Letty. of then leads into a little scene between Bosco and Cruz afterwards, where. Uh, Bosco sort of checking on Cruz to see how she is. He mentions his brother Mikey, a bit of a cokehead. We find out that Cruz has locked him up a bunch of times. I kind of like that weird little uh, tie in there, and obviously it's going to be a bit more of a prominent thing in about a season's time when we get Mikey mm-hmm. back in the uh, the scene. Um, and then kind of Cruz, I guess, you know, brings up a bit of a discussion point about how you know, there's second chances for your brother because he's a white boy gone good, whereas, you know, my Latino sister, you know, we don't get the same chances. And this, this is another and one of those... And she's, and she's not she's not wrong. No, well, this is, this is what I was going to say. This is, I think, another one of these moments that Third Watch can, can do a, like, sort of a racial storyline without it being preachy and overbearing. You know, we talked a lot about right. that with Doc in Season 2 and kind of, you know, even Davis and kind of some of the things that they've done with, you know, the issue of race. Uh, and even like with gender and things like that as well. But I, I, I think that they cover this enough that you, you get the message and yet it's not full on preach mode, if that makes sense. Other shows do this differently right. where it's so preachy that like, okay, we get it. This is an issue. But I think Third Watch does it in a way where y- you're never rolling your eyes and thinking, Oh, here they go again playing the race card. It's, it's nothing to do with that. And I think it's done well. Yep, and well, I was gonna say, and again, you know, she she sadly is not wrong mm-hmm. in her assessment there. Yeah, and it's it's still the case today. And again, I love talking about you know what the show would be like if it was done today. Mm-hmm. If it was done today, they go, they would make sure we wouldn't forget that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're talking a little bit about that, haven't we? Obviously, with the Carlos stuff. Which, uh, you know, with his sort of mm-hmm. being accused and everything and how different it would be today. But one thing I want to say though is and that. And I'm sure we'll revisit that in a few episodes too. Definitely will. But, uh, one thing I have to say, uh, I am not a fan of Cruz's sister. And it's, look, it's got nothing to do with the issues I was just talking about. I like the fact that they're exploring this and that they try and. And she, she... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say, and she does her, I think she, whoever plays her sister, I think she did do it well, you know, showing the effects of how an, how an addict behaves and especially when they're going, especially when they're detoxing. Mm. She, she did, I thought she did pretty well at that, but I think I see where you're going. Are you, are you saying that you're, are you not a fan of her because, uh, she's 
like there one minute and gone the next. We really don't really know much about her other than she's a hardcore addict. I mean, look, that's a part of it. I am not a fan of how she portrays this. I think that, yeah, whilst there is some of the stuff that she kind of does well with sort of dealing with addiction, I just think she's annoying. And I don't think there's any factor of us to care enough about her that when ultimately what happens to her that we should feel any form of sympathy. And I think that that while they're going out of their way to try and humanise Cruz, um, do it similarly to what they did uh, with Bobby, you know, back with, uh, was it Mikey, isn't it, back in season one? No, uh, Polly. Polly, Mikey's Bosco's brother. Yeah, Polly, yes. Yeah, the way around. Yes. Like, do it over a continuous arc. Like, don't shove it into one episode. Well, I mean, okay, it's a two-episode. But still, like, we find her passed out on drugs, we then see the issues there that she's going with and, you know, fighting about whether or not she's going to give up who dealt drugs to her. And then ultimately we're going to get sort of the end for her. Like, why do we feel any sympathy for this character? And like, at the end of the day, like they're trying to humanize Cruz and the fact that her sister has got to this. And we hear sort of things in the next episode about how like only a couple of years ago we were on a ski trip and this is how quickly it can take over. Okay. I get that. Which that, is that's, true. That is very true. But, like, do this to a point where it's just not a blink-and-you-miss character that we've got to try and feel some sort of sympathy. And I think this is a lot of the issues with why people sort of don't warm to Cruz at this point, because they're attempting to humanise her in such a blink-and-you-miss-it moment that we don't give a shit. And then in two weeks' time, when we've passed this double episode, uh, we're going to be back to sort of really not liking her at all because she's going to be going off at one of our favourite characters. So... I just think there's a, an opportunity missed here, and I think later on in this series, when they really try to humanise Cruz a lot more, I think a lot of people are far gone on this character by then, and that's why so many people don't necessarily like her. I'm not trying to say I, I don't. I mean, obviously we know I'm a fan of hers. I think that she needs more love, and I think Tia Tahata's acting around this is brilliant. I think her desperation as she tries to protect her sister is great. I'm not taking anything away from her. I just think that this character is annoying. We shouldn't feel sympathy for her whilst we should be trying to feel sympathy for Cruz, and that is an issue which helps people really dislike Cruz at this point. So you think it it probably... This whole thing with, with, Letty, it pro- with Letty, it probably would have worked if it had built over more than just one or two episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, it's, it's a very comparable storyline to what we're going to get with Mikey next year uh, with Bosco. And think about it. We care about Mikey. And we already we knew, care about we, we Bosco. Knew, we, we knew flashes of Mikey. We saw flashes of him yeah. in and we met season him briefly. three. Yeah, and we met him very briefly. And they keep the same actor. It's Charlie Day. I mean, he's sort of gone on to more of a, a prominent career now. But I think at the end of the day, like right now, if you try to think about Mikey, you don't feel any sympathy for Mikey either. Because, again, he got busted and it's Bosco's brother. Okay, you could admit, we've by the time we get to Mikey next season fully, we have known Bosco for five seasons. We know him. We love him. We want to, you know, make sure that he's okay and that his family's okay. But it's still done in a very similar storyline, and it's done in a way where you care about Mikey. Bring in, bring in Letty. Bring her in now and, like, keep this art going for the rest of the season and then give us a chance to feel sympathy for her. And this is this is where Cruz's character is struggling right now when you're trying to humanise a character and you kind of end up, at the end of these two episodes, really not changing your opinion, I think, if you're on the negative side of Cruz. And I'm not. I'm not saying this is what's affecting my opinion. I'm trying to speak for the masses out there who hate this character. Yeah. 
And I'm still, I'll, I'll say for the record, I'm still more, I could go either way mm-hmm. with Cruz. Yeah. Well, if Brandy was here, Brandy yeah. would be on my team. <laughs> I, know, I, know I appreciate this. Time. I appreciate you. This is what we need. We need that sort of neutrality there. And I'm trying to do that right yeah. now because, again, right. I'm going to repeat myself again. I love Cruz, but this her sister being brought into this to try and work this storyline just doesn't help people out there with their hatred of her right now. But it, it would have if they had done it over if they made it a season-long arc or a Slow half a season Slow arc. build it, yeah. Or... Don't just shove it in our throat and then just expect us to, you know, go this way. Um, we see Kim and Doc right now. Um, they're sort of mentioning a little bit about Kim. Oh, we heard that earlier that Kim has to go in and give this statement for Carlos. But Kim yeah. is stalling a little bit because she sees that there's a traffic accident um, and that's... You know, everything seems to be fine, but she essentially talks in a guy going into hospital and then he starts to be like, oh, yeah, I feel it. I feel the whiplash. Like, let's be honest, there's not a whole lot of humour going forward in some of these episodes in Third Watch at the moment. It's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's, it's sort of very serious territory this show is covering for the next few weeks. So there's a yeah. few limited little laugh moments and I do like this guy who's just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> Reminds me of some of those. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? You know what? It, you know what that reminds me of? Mm, what? Um, and I'm going to say off the bat. I mean, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it reminds me of some of those people who are just way over the top with that. Like, I see the light. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it reminds. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, well, I was going to give a really uh, over-the-top impersonation of a preacher there, but I feel I've already offended enough people in my lifetime. Um, oh, hey, go ahead. No, no, I, <laughs> go I, will, on. Po- I will politely decline right now, Darpel. But, uh, I mean, look, it's... Hey, it's, it's fun to make fun of the more evangelical types. It's good that and this Kim, is coming from a Christian. <laughs> it's good that Kim's getting a, a bit of a storyline, <laughs> kind of, you know, struggling to want to go in and make a statement on Carlos and this whole situation. Uh, because but, she has to be very... She, I We know she's conflicted about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, she no, she doesn't know for sure, you know, what happened or what didn't happen. But I think I think part of what's con- what's conflicting to her too is that yes, Carlos is a bit of a perv. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no denying that. Well, yeah, and I, like, we've covered that a bit, and ultimately, it, yeah, you know, do. it's gonna it's gonna keep playing out. But I mean, I guess at the end of the day, we're we're still balancing the cops and the and the paramedics very loosely. Uh, and you know, it, I mean, it just gives us a bit of a taste of what we're going to get really moving forward here with the fact that the paramedic mm-hmm. stuff is kind of just thrown in there because it has to be. Um, before we, you know, really firefighter go... stuff is largely forgotten. Yeah, remember Jimmy, everyone, uh, Eddie Sibrin, he's still part of the show apparently. Um, I think mean, there's someone if they're going to remove from the credits every time he's not in there, then he's never going to be in the freaking credits <laughs> with Amy Carlson. But uh, anyway, um, back at the hospital, Cruz is questioning Letty again. Basically, gets her to give up a name. Uh, she doesn't really give up a name. She kind of just acts a little bit coy when she's mentioning a bunch of names. And it's Chico that they've got. To, of course, there's going to be a drug dealer called Chico. Um, so yeah, Cruz. I mean, could to... they get any? More, could they get any more stereotypical with that? Yeah, come exactly. on. Exactly. Cruz is going to go after a drug dealer named Ben. 
why don't we have a drug de- drug drug dealer called I don't know Benedict Cumberbatch? Like, I mean, come on. That's, I just like saying his name. Every excuse I get to say Benedict Cumberbatch, I'm going to say it. Um, Who is that? Who is Benedict Cumberbatch? Darvell Stewart. Get off this podcast and go watch some movies. Uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, a lot of other things. He's amazing. We love him. Um, What's the end? Like Maybe awesome. I've seen something else that he's in. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not too sure. Uh, also still in the hospital, Yokus is still staring over Emily because that gives us another chance to have another one of these pointless flashbacks where we see her mother talking about, oh, your father's a failure. Uh, and then we see kind of integrated into this flashback a newer version of Yokus listening to her mother. Now, one thing I would say, we obviously her mother, played by the iconic Mia Farrow. Can I just point out another iconic actress who plays younger Faith Yokus? That is Hayley Duff. Uh, that is Hilary Duff's sister. Oh, Hilary Duff's sister. <laughs> who has the iconic role of young Faith Yokus. So, uh, do we add that to the, uh, esteemed guest stars of Third Watch, Hilary Duff's sister? <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, yeah, Hayley Duff, her Third Watch appearance, folks, if you didn't know that. Um, I'm really just gonna gel over a lot of these kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah bits of the flashback. Um, yeah. We get Dr. Fields coming in and say that there's relatively good news that, uh, Emily can have her own room upstairs, so that's great, good for Emily. Meanwhile, Cruz is in the car, uh, driving to go see Chico. She's staring at a photograph of herself and her sister. Now, you know there's like photo booth, like Polaroid ones that you get. Like why, whenever yes. you see them in TV shows and movies, are they always like, you know, pulling the same faces where there's like a smiley one, a silly one, they're sticking their tongues out. Like it's just, it's such a cliche. That they're classics. <laughs> classics. I've never done that photo booth thing, so maybe I need to do that. So just so I've got one of those ones that down the line, if I need a poignant moment staring into a photo thinking about my past. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like to, I mean, well, I mean, I, I do those kind of things when I get, when I get my picture taken, I try to come up with silly poses. Yes. <laughs> Because I mean, it's fun. It makes it makes it even more interesting. And plus, it's fun to set everybody all set set everybody else off. Like, like Darvell, you can't do that. Come on. My face always <laughs> looks silly. It's just my natural face. Can't help it. It's how I was made. Uh, they show up yeah. to this laundromat and go out in the back and eventually find uh, Chico doing drugs. Uh, and I do. I will say this scene's actually quite well done. It's quite tense. It's sort of. Uh, Got them there holding the needle up and, uh, Cruz is, I guess, squeezing the needle out of every single drop of drug, uh, you know, so that Chico will tell them where, um, Ramon is. And that, Chico and Ramon, come on now. Yep. These are very stereotypical <laughs> drug runner names. Uh, hello to all our drug dealers out there called Chico and Ramon who are listening to our show today. Uh, but I, I, I do actually, yeah, enjoy this scene. I think it's very tense the way that Cruz is just kind of holding this over him and then shoves the needle into the, uh, the table as well so i mean look as much as i'm not a huge fan of this episode and stuff that's going down this scene's got its tension this scene's got its moments darvel yes it does um yep. so back in the real world though we've got uh the real mia farrow not other mia farrow as yokus as a kid can i just say that uh, mia farrow has not aged a day since uh yokus was a teenager <laughs> they didn't really go out of their way to um change the makeup or the styling of younger Mia Farrow versus older Mia Farrow. Mind you, Mia Farrow well, just doesn't Mi- Maybe, maybe, maybe Mia Farrow, I was going to say, maybe Mia Farrow just ages, has just aged really well. 
I, mean, I don't, a very good I don't even know. I don't even know if she's still around or not. Oh, but maybe she has. She's still alive. I don't know what she looks like now. Um, I'll call her up and get her to send me a selfie. Maybe one of those photo booth ones where she can do <laughs> silly faces. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, but she she asked Yokus, uh, how long has this been going on for? The drug thing. Um, and then her mum imp- sort of implies that Yokus did drugs. It's kind of a weird thing. I don't understand it, but whatever. It fits in with the notion of this episode, I feel. Um Cruz then, uh, we're, we're going to see Ramon now, and then taps on the door and speaks Spanish. Going to see Ramon Holmes? <laughs> kind of acts all, kind of acts all sultry at the door, wants to be let in, uh, and then eventually does get let in, and we see two other women there who I guess have been, uh, I don't know, doing Ramon, I guess. Um, and then again, sort of another bit of a tense scene here, the way she's got the gun and kind of points it at his balls and is basically like, I'll take these off. And I mean, look, this is, this is the comparison I, of Cruz, the contrasting nature of Cruz that here she is basically holding a guy on the ground, pointing a gun at his dick, threatening him. Uh, and she's a cop. Like, she is in full cop mode right now, and it's obviously, it's personal for her. And just the way Bosco's obviously watching her do her thing. And again, this is where a lot of people sort of just don't like her. They don't like her style, the way she does this. But I think, again... I do like that. I do like that really sultry voice she uses when she wants to when she wants to be let in, though. Yeah, and I Very, think, very good at that. And I think kind of on that, I think that you're absolutely right. It's great. And I think... <clears throat> This is where, again, I have to play this card, and I don't like doing this, but I'm going to. If this was a male character, I mean, you, are we I mean, going you, to I mean, be you, hating you, this? Because... I mean, I mean, you, I mean you, you talk... If you talk to me like that, hell, I'll probably do whatever you... I think that this is <laughs> Not where, you specifically, but I you think know what this I mean. Is, well, this is what I'm trying to say. I think that, at the end of the day, if this is a male character, no one's going to be complaining as much. I think that... It's a lot of it what? is because she's a strong female character that people don't like her style. But I think it only works as a female because I'm not just saying because she can sort of be sultry and kind of let away in there. But it's just such a great character for a female to have that she's kind of n- willing to do whatever she wants to do here in order to get revenge on her sister, and it works. And kind of just the reaction of Bosco watching her, and again, as I've said before, we all assume Bosco is going to do whatever it takes to get what he wants. And he does to a point, but he's still got a human side about it. Whereas yeah, Cruz, he, even, we're not even seeing... he wouldn't, even he wouldn't do this. Yeah, Cruz, we're not seeing that human side, which is what they're trying to balance out now with his sister storyline. We've gone over that, but again, this is what I love about the character of Cruz is that she just comes in, does this all this sort of stuff. It's polarizing. She's kind of that. I don't, she's not really the anti-hero that we kind of have in TV nowadays with like your, your Walter Whites and your Dexters and your Tony Sopranos, you know, kind of these bad people who you're cheering for. Because obviously Cruz ultimately in the day is a cop, so she's good. It's kind of the opposite. She's like a good person doing bad things to get what she wants, which, you know, kind of is what a lot of those anti-heroes are. But I'd almost put her on the cusp of an anti-hero because of just the methods that she goes about to do good things. And I think, it's such an interesting character. It's such a, a very interesting character, particularly in TV in 2003. Like, maybe we watch this now, Darvell, and think this feels normal because this is the type of characters we're used to. Whereas you and I were talking about off-air before that this is a time of network TV where they were willing to take more risks, and I think it works. I think that... Let's just say it right now. I think the character of Cruz was ahead of a the time. There we go. Said it. And I... And you know, now that you mentioned it like that, yeah, I would agree. 
I would agree. These days, these days, not only would it be, not only would it be, uh, encouraged, or maybe I have it backwards. I was going to say, not only would it be encouraged these days, these days a character like Cruz would probably be celebrated. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. not that that's a bad thing. But like, this is like, like, like try to sort of, playing the gender card in many aspects because I think it was The Shield came out around about this time. I'm pretty sure that's the one I'm thinking of. And it 2001, was, I think. And it was, think it was it Michael, Michael Chiklis, I think is his name. That was the main guy in that show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, I don't know. I, ne- I never watched it. But look, I never watched it either. But from what I know, he was kind of a cop that would do bad things to get what he wants. And look, I, people who watch The Shield may correct me here. Maybe they're not. there's not a valid comparison. But that show is kind of, from what I know of it, celebrating a character who's a good character by doing bad things to get what they want in order to protect the world and get good. Here is the same style of character in the same period of television who is basically universally hated, and I can only really think of it, the pure fact that she's a female character. And I would like people to correct me on that. I would like people to try and tell me, was there another character who was female at this time who was very similar in the fact and maybe wasn't as hated as much? Pull somebody out there, pull me up on this. But I, I, and I'm not a person to play the gender, the race, the things like this that I was talking about before. I don't like doing this. But this is just one of those occasions where I honestly feel that this character, if they were a male, it would be, it would be looked at differently. Then there's silence from Darvell. He doesn't know how to react to Ben's statement. <laughs> thinking it over. Thinking it over. Thinking, I'm, I'm, yeah, thinking it over. Yeah, yeah thinking it over. And I'm, and I'm also, I'm also thinking about, you know, if, you know, the whole argument of if this was a, if this was a male character because it's a female character using a really really sultry voice with a male character to to get what to get what she wants you know to get in there to arrest him and all that it's okay mm. but if bosco was doing that well i mean if bosco's there for, that's not going to happen like she can do that because she's a female um and I'm not, okay, I'm not saying a male can't be sultry to another male. I'm not oh, trying to say that, but like the difference is. Oh, I was gonna, I was <laughs> gonna say, I was, I was gonna flip the genders around completely. You know, if Bosco was saying that to, was acting that way to a, towards a, to, towards a female suspect, a female oh, right, drug right. dealer. Right, I understand now. But yeah, it's, look, there's layers. We're uncovering them all here with Cruz. And I just, I'm trying to open that perspective up for the audience who maybe are listening to us and are just despising Cruz, do not like Cruz. Just, just look at this from a, a, a 2018 vision point, at least the 2018 we're recording this right now to date this episode. I just think that that's what people need to look at and how it is. Anyway, Cruz, we love her. I'm yeah. trying to defend her. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Yokus is still, oh God, we're still here, aren't we? Uh, Yokus is still at the, still em- in the hospital. Emily, yeah. she's got another flashback this time around. It's a flashback feeding Charlie and Fred's come home drunk. Fred's got a mullet. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember those? I don't know if I like Fred with a mullet better or Fred bald. Um, so yeah, uh, once again, it's just, it's just a flashback. We get it. You had a bad sort of, she's reflecting on where she went wrong, I guess, to make Emily drugs. But how does Fred coming home drunk? 
allow Emily to... Because, like, again, you've spent all this time trying to blame Yokus for being a bad mother, for never being there for Emily. So why are you showing us the bad moments of Fred and your parents? Like, I just don't get it. Like, it just makes no sense. Show bad bits from Fred with Emily, not with... Ugh. Darvell, I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was... Maybe it Maybe was. It was um, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. Maybe it was something Emily witnessed. I mean, of course, she was really little, but maybe it was something that she that she saw. Well, she, well, she kind of sees little Emily walk out here and see this. But again, it just... Uh, I don't understand how they can try and tie all this in for Yoka's feeling guilt for where she's at right now, where... We're then going to get a strong scene of Yoka standing up to a mum saying that, you know, I stood up for this, I fixed it. Whereas, yeah, it's just muddled. It's convoluted. It just doesn't make sense. I don't like it. Doc and Kim right now are talking about the run sheet. Doc's basically saying you're taking forever to doing the run sheet and he calls her out for taking her time because she doesn't want to go down and make a statement. Um, I do kind of like the, I mean, the great acting here between Kim Raver and Michael Beach. Obviously, yes. Kim sort of talking about how she's sick of people taking crap on her. Doc says, you don't speak to me like that. I'm your supervisor. Uh, and then really, you know, that she basically calls out Doc for all the stupid decisions that he's made. And then she also implies, because they're talking about the neck brace around this person and then kind of a bit of a subtle dig at Doc for, uh, removing a neck brace, uh, after last season. Um, yep. but the thing that I really I do, didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even catch that. I, I missed that. Well, this is one of those, that's again, how those, subtle it was. Well, yeah, it's very subtle. And this is one of those moments again, which at the end of the day, we rip into third watch about it being bad with continuity. But again, they're showing their strength here with a few little moments here that they actually uh, do hold, hold true. I do like the, the, the resolution of this argument. Um, where kind of Doc basically is like, look, I'm not going to let you get mad at me. What do you want? Like, what do you, what do you need here? How do we solve this? Good, good, um, you know, management there from Doc there to resolve the situation. Yes. Uh, and then Kim ultimately says, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, do you want me to lie? Did she have a chance to do this? And kind of Doc sort of basically talks to her and says like, well, look, you just tell the truth. You know, you, if you think this is what he did, you say it. But did she have a chance to talk to you to say that something happened? Uh, and she said, yes, she did. So this is where... And again, uh, again, these days would be... No. These days would be, tell her, tell them, tell them he, tell them he groped her. Yeah. It, today, basically, that... Like, it is very interesting watching this now because... I, look, I'm not going to go into my viewpoints on how this all works, but at the end of the day, this conversation that Doc has with Kim is not a liable conversation that would pass in 2018. Particularly the, did she have a chance to say anything? Did she? Well, then there you go. Like, I mean, that is not going to fly in 2018. Um, anyway, so we've now got uh, Emily can have ice on her lips. Um, that's great. Good for her. Uh <laughs> I don't understand the significance of that. I guess because she's in a coma, she can't have food or drink, so this is a way of hydrating her because she can rub ice on her lips and it's going to melt and go down in her... Can I just say, I would love... One of the things, if we ever get Bonnie Dennison on the show, I want to ask her, like, can you tell me how hard it is to lay there in a coma and lay completely still while somebody's rubbing, uh, you know, ice cube chips on your lips? (laughs) I would crack up (laughs) laughing. I'd be like, ah! 
<laughs> That's why I'm not a yeah. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah let's, a- let's ask her that if you are able to get her on here. We then get, I guess, Yokus saying that she was going to leave him, um, and then that Fred's a different person now. Again, why do we need to know this? Like, why? And then again, in the grand scheme of things, can we bookmark this moment so that in a season and a half time, when these two are going to be in a different place, <laughs> that there's this scene here from Fred getting all emotional, like, you know, I'm a different person and being so strong together. It, it amounts to nothing. <laughs> it's, anyway... That's a, that's a whole thing to get angry about in a season and a half time when that happens. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll rant and rave about that when we get to the Monsters episode. Oh, we definitely will. Meanwhile, Cruz and Bosco show up to a place where uh, they were directed to. There's no one there. There's lots of drugs. And uh, basically, Bosco, great acting here with Jason Wiles and Tia Tejada, when he's just like, what the hell are we doing? You know, you're not going to be able to keep all the drugs away from your sister. And basically, Yoko's just saying, like, I can try. Well, this is, this is again, where, like, that desperation of Cruz. Like, Cruz is kind of the person where, once she's got her sight set on something to fix, she's going to she, do whatever it takes will, to do it. She will, she will go, she, yeah, she will, she will not stop until she's fixed it. Which is, which is just, I mean, that's a great policing. And I do like that. Yeah, I do like me too. That. It's great policing. Her methods maybe aren't necessarily the best in terms of how she d- goes about it, but it's a great scene between these two because this is where Cruz works so well with Bosco because, again, as I said, you know, we've seen Bosco willing to do well, pretty much a lot of anything to get what he wants, whereas Cruz is kind of like that and more, like turned up a 100 points further than that. So I think uh, that that She is the... She is the Jack. She's the female Jack Bauer of Third Watch. Yeah, you could say that. yeah. That's that's a fairly decent comparison. I can see what you're doing there, but I just think that these and two play off well each other and the characters and everything. So this scene is it's it's a pretty good scene between these two, kind of because yeah, Bosco's and he's like, "What the hell are we doing?" And Cruz is like, "Well, this is what we're going to do." And Bosco just keeps going around with it too, so that works. Now we've got the scene between Yokus and her mom, and kind of just standing up to her and. Um, when she's like, I think you're a good mother. And she's like, no, I'm a great mother. Talking about regrets. You know, my husband had a problem and I fixed it. Um, yeah, it's just like, this is what this whole flashback has been trying to build up to is this moment here where she's standing up to a mother after all these years. And again, kind of in similar situation to Letty, it's just kind of like, this is, it's kind of just shoved upon us. It's not like this is something that has been building up for two years since we've seen it. It's not like, you know, her parents show up all the time and this is something she's finally standing up to. It's two years ago since we even saw anything related to this or why that she's affected by this. And it just, uh, I don't like it. I, it's meant to be such a powerful scene. Out of okay, place. I will say, I will say first of all that it is very well acted. Molly Price does a great yes. job. So does Mia Farrow. I'm not taking away from the acting here. They're reading the lines that were given to them and they, they sell it beautifully. I just think overall that this just doesn't do what it's trying to do. It again, it's just, it's there. It's Would convoluted. It, it just, it builds up. And it just, I don't of... understand of why they've got to keep this into it. Essentially, just to have Yokus feel a bit sad when the uh, elevator doors close on her face. I just, yeah, not a fan. Yeah, it would have would have worked better if they had built up to it maybe, like you said, over a couple of seasons. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue yeah, they did. Yeah, we've seen flashes of her parents. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue that they did, because they had this two years ago, but I just... 
I think we needed to see more of her parents and the effect that it had on her and not just bring it up every now and then when it's convenient to the plot. That's essentially what I'm saying. And I think yes. that if Emily's not a teenager and sucking up drugs with dickhead pretty boys, this never comes up again. So, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just recycling a storyline that we didn't need recycling. Yeah. That's... There we go. And the, and the kind of... I mean, yeah. it is a little bit of a heartbreaking moment, though, I guess, when, like... I mean, the the elevator door closed and she kind of then realises what she's done and she's sort of like, I'm sorry. And I guess we've all had fights with parents or friends where, you know, it ends and straight away you're like, shit, I'm sorry. We've said certain things. Um, Yep, I mean, I mean, I've fought, I've, I've fought, I've fought with, I fought with my, with my mom before and have said some things that I later realised, oh my God. Yeah. Did I just say that? And the one thing, though, that takes away from it is this random moment of slow motion that they put on Yokus as she's kind of realising her mistake as she puts her hand to her mouth. I don't know why they need to make that slow motion, but anyway. Um, let's kind of go straight through here to the end, I think, and kind of knuckle yeah, out. Yeah, because we're pretty much there happened. anyway. Very much there anyway. We've got Cruz and uh, Bosco uh, questioning, I guess, a landlord and sort of uh, asking about, um, you know is there somebody here doing drugs? And uh, I love this landlord guy basically like, oh, yeah, I thought something was wrong. You know, I've got a, I've, I've got a nose for this. I knew something was off. And the way Cruz is just basically like, oh, yeah, you're Sherlock, you're Sherlock Holmes or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and then we find out that this uh, place has actually been put under the name of Cruz's sister. Um, plot essentially, twist. Plot nice. twist. Um, and I should back up. It's not just necessarily about the drugs and the way there was a Latino name wasn't there put on there when it was a white guy living there. So, you know, this guy should have really known a little bit more previously. But yeah, I do like that little Cruz Sherlock Holmes moment. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Cruz gets back to the, uh, the hospital and we see that, uh, her sister is basically just out in the hallway, uh, waiting. And, um, actually, no, that's jumping ahead a little bit. Emily woke up. Cool. Um, anyway, Cruz then sees our sister. In- <laughs> Sorry, I don't care. Emily's awake. Whoop de fucking do. Um, <laughs> uh, Letty is in the hallway, handcuffed to the bed, and then Cruz goes off at Fields and is essentially asking why she just shoved in the corridor, uh, and then basically accuses Fields of racism because Emily was put upstairs. She says a little white girl was given a room. Uh, why is my Latino sister out here in the hallway? But And Fields actually stands up quite well here, and is basically like, are you actually serious? Are you trying to compare the two? You know, one was a teenage girl with this, and then the other one is basically detox. We're not here to help them out. Uh, and if you don't like the facilities, sign route AMA. Meanwhile, we have Bosco going off at Letty and grabbing her and telling her that uh, he makes she makes him sick. Um, it's a bit weird, but I guess Bosco's trying to do what he can do. Uh, Cruz confronts Letty and basically accuses her of doing hooking. She says that she would never do that. And then we hear the word animal. So who have we had this episode, Darvell? We've had Chico. We've had Ramon. Now we've got animal. All right? <laughs> Where do they come up with these? Okay, where do they come up with these names? Standard drug running names, <laughs> apparently. Well, well, I don't know about Animal Chico, Chico and Ramon. They're your standard stereotypical drug running names, but I don't know about Animal. Animal sounds like a mobster. 
Animal sounds like the drummer of the Muppets. Oh, wait, it was. Um, bad joke, Ben. Meanwhile, she says that she knows where his house is, doesn't know the address, but if we drive around, we can find it. Uh, so they're going to drive around and find Animal's house. Now, this is where it comes full circle to annoying Ben, because here we are in the car, we're driving to find Animal's house, and now we've kind of got this sympathetic scene where, you know, Letty's all like, I'm sorry, Maritza, you know, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, and, you know, Maritza is kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, no, that's fine, we'll get you straight, like... We've, we're too far beyond the point now of caring about this character that we've got a two-second moment where we're meant to care. And what's she about to and do? Yet, Fuck that yet, up by yet, jumping you, out of the yet, car you, running into a drug house. Yeah, I was going to say, and yet before that happens, you actually, you may think for a few seconds if you haven't seen it, or even if you have, um, you, you may think, you may think that, you may think, oh my god, maybe she's gotten through to, and then, yeah, when she jumps up, Gary! Gary! Yeah. It's then, just, it's just dumb. And like, this is where, you know, Cruz for the first time in her life kind of, I guess, calls for backup rather than just going in hot headed into this house to get him. Cause I guess they're saying like, oh, we don't know. This house could be dangerous because of the drugs and everything. And then we've just got fidgety Letty in the back. And this is where, like, she, this actor doesn't necessarily do that well. I think she just overplays it. Uh, played the her. The, the, oh, I'm about to, I did have this in front of me before. I can tell you that it is played by Martha Milan, the esteemed Martha Milan. Uh, but she says here hmm. she's best known for something called My Dead Boyfriend. Good for her. But, um, just Sounds the way, like a badly made romantic comedy. Well, just the way she's sitting here in the car with a fidgeting of fingers and rubbing a nose, like, it's just so stereotypical, like, person on drugs. Like, to me, it's just she's overplaying a drug dealer, sort of drug addict in a soap opera or something. She then jumps out of the car, as we've said, because she needs one more fix from Animal. I don't understand this. We've just meant to feel sympathy for her. But now she's just basically, you know, signing her a death warrant. She runs into the house, starts sniffing up some drugs. Meanwhile, we meet this random blood woman with a mask on who, let's just say she's pregnant. We can't tell right now, but we're going to feel sorry for her in the next episode. Then there's Bosco and... Bosco and Cruz running in here, feeling all angry, and there's a big standoff with Animal, and she's yelling about... Cruz is yelling about her sister. And then we get maybe some of the worst acting I've ever seen in Third Watch, where this guy called Animal yells out, Your freaking sister! And then throws a bottle, which basically goes into a vat of something that's cooking, and then, boom! Kaboom. The entire house blows up. Uh, can I just say that The entire house blows up. And they're going to be alive in just a few moments when we talk about the next episode. Remember a few weeks ago, Darvell, when I talked about a guy with an Uzi firing up a ambulance and everybody survived? Well, look, Bosco must be the luckiest police officer in all of New York. He's dead twice. Anyway, that is the end of part one. Collateral damage. Yeah. Mm, yep. And I'm going to say for our the buy it, rent it, bin it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rent this one. I'm renting it. You're too polite. This is a bin. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, it was hard. It was hard for me. It was hard for me to get into. But there were some relatable, and perhaps, perhaps I need to separate my emotions from from the show. <laughs> but the part about you know alcoholism and drug addiction and stuff like that, I, I connected to that. 
Well, look, let's we, just we, let's just let's just say let's just say I've seen it in my life. Well, and that's so. it's a valid point. And look, we all I guess interpret these episodes very differently, and and kind of will rate them accordingly. I mean, you know, a big. I think moment for that is obviously, you know, me binning um, Demolition Derby and kind of my complaints I had over that, whereas, you know, yourself and Brandy obviously look at that very differently. Um, so I completely understand that. I just think that this episode just has so much convolution about it that it just, you know, even the good moments in this episode can't save it from what it is. And by no means is it as bad as last week. By no means. Um, and I mean, as I of thought now, you I wanted was... to get away from last week. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but I, I will say that I have this as the highest bin um, right now. Uh, I have been five episodes of Third Watch. Three of them have come this season. Um, and this is the highest of all five. So I have this ahead of Demolition Derby, Firestarter, The Unforgiven, and Snowblind. So, um, there's that. Um, but yeah, look, it's not a good episode. And I know we've kind of had arguments from some of our listeners before that have said that, you know, I would never been an episode of Third Watch. And again, we will reiterate. Hey, more, more, even more power a bean, to you. Even a bin of Third Watch is much more watchable and enjoyable than the buy of many other shows. But I think I definitely, I know from my viewpoint, and I've said this through Nip, Tuck and Loss and here in Third Watch, that I want to come into these episodes and not just be blinded by love of this show. And I feel that there is definitely need for criticism, even of your favorite shows. You, you, everyone mm-hmm. has their favorite shows and movies. And for the most part, everyone will always be able to pick out the bad moments of such things that they love. So. You know, yeah, it's life. It's it's how it is. Nothing is perfect except for Natalie nope. Portman, uh, and that's what we end on. Uh, next episode, Darvell, is uh, funnily enough, Collateral Damage Part Two, uh, which, if you're downloading these in a order, a bit of an you, improvement. You're gonna hear it basically straight on. Yeah, a bit of an improvement. I'll give it that. It's a very, very bit of an improvement. <laughs> so we'll we'll get to that very soon. Um, as I said, if you're listening to this in order, that episode has been released the same day as this one, so get onto it right now. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the podcast channels that you listen to us on, and uh, we appreciate all the support and feedback that you may and will give us because we have told you to because you love us. Uh, until next episode, my name is Ben, and Darvell, I think you're a good mother. Oh thank, oh thank you, Ben. Now I just need a sex change. My name's Darvell, and hey, see you in well whenever you decide to click the next episode because these two are coming on the same day. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.